This podcast is produced by The Brand is Female. Hi, I'm Mungi. Welcome to the Everyday Ubuntu podcast. I no longer have the emotional capacity or bandwidth to educate people who don't want to be educated. So I would say for persons of color, respect yourself and just look at individuals who are intentional and really want to learn. And those who want to hold on to their racist ideologies and beliefs, just let them continue on to do that because you can't change that in the conversation. This week, my guest is Dr. Aminata Sise, a board certified psychiatrist who specializes in the treatment of mental health disorders. Her work and her writing is aimed at improving quality of life for women of the African diaspora, but extends far beyond that. In this episode, we talk about our moms, how we can find joy in times like this, and why you should not settle for the bare minimum. This conversation with Aminata was a grounding and sustaining conversation for me, and I hope that other Black women find some solace in it too. Here's our conversation. Welcome, Dr. Aminata Sise, to the Everyday Ubuntu podcast. I'm so excited to have you on today. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you, and yourself? I'm doing well. Um, we just moved about a week ago, so just acclimating to the new space, um, you know, getting used to working from a new environment and things like that. Oh my goodness. Are you are you still in Miami or did you move out of Florida? Uh, we actually only moved five blocks away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the moving company said the same thing. We purchased the condo in downtown Miami, so we're going to be here for a while. Oh, I love that. Don't worry. We Last year, we moved from one floor in our building to another floor, and that was very stressful. So mm-hmm. totally understand. Um, so I'm going to start by asking you the question that my mom sort of helped me come up with. And mm-hmm. it's, it's about how our resumes are not really an explanation of who we are as a full person. And mm-hmm. so I'm wondering what you would say is missing from your resume that you think people should know about you. I would say um, that I'm a creative at heart. Um, My resume kind of goes through all of my education and where I studied and different training. But if you kind of read between the lines of, you know, my extracurricular activities, what I did in my sorority in college, what I did in in my residency program, I'm always trying to do something creative um, no matter what stage of life I'm in. So for example, in residency, I was really passionate about helping to plan the yearly retreat that we had um, in resident in college when I was in my sorority, I was you know the head of the arts department or the arts chat part of my chapter, making sure that we created like beautiful installations and um, whatever that we put out to the public was very artistically and well curated and done. So that's the part of my resume that doesn't come across directly, but if you read between the lines, you'd be able to see that. I love that. And I, I know you have a newsletter. So yeah, I, I sort of see the creative coming coming out in that. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy creating the visuals for my blog and my Instagram, like sometimes even more than, you know, getting the likes or, you know, the- <laughs> I'm just like, I'm really enjoying Canva right now. And this is what I'm going to do for a couple of hours. So definitely. Okay. I'm still learning Canva, but I do like how easy it is to sort of like figure it out. So Definitely. I get that. It's very intuitive. I like that. And so you shared a bit about how you're creative, but also could you just give us a brief description of who you are? So I would say, you know, to the outside world, the way that I present, 
Um, I think I've, if you've read some of my articles, I'm very tall, I'm six feet. Um, so sometimes my presence, you know, may be intimidating some individuals, um, but as in, but you know, deep down inside of who I am, I'm very gentle. Um, I'm a very constant person. Um, the story that I like to tell about this is at my wedding, my friends from different stages of life were like hanging out separately and going off together and hanging out. And I think that attests to the fact that I'm a very consistent person. I'm not shape-shifting from one set of people to the other. And I try to be very authentic in everything that I do. Um, I like to laugh. I love humor. Um, I like to be around people who are funny. Um, I like to make jokes and make others laugh. But as a professional, and I guess in all parts of my life, I'm a true Libra. Um, I seek order. Um, I like balance. Um, and I like things to make sense and to be just and fair. So I'm always seeking out, like, is that the right thing to do? Is that the fair and just thing to do? But despite keeping order and keeping things, um, you know, kind of measured, I still live for spontaneity. And the way that I express that is typically through travel and, as I stated before, pursuing the arts. And then, so how did you come to psychiatry? Did you, you know, did you want to be a psychiatrist or sort of work in the mental health space when you were younger? I've always wanted to be a scientist of some sort, um, which is, you know, not something that you typically hear about a, you know, black girl from Brooklyn, but I've always wanted to be a scientist. Um, and it kind of metamorphosis through, metamorphosized from being a pharmacologist. And then at one point I wanted to be like an infectious disease specialist. Oh so goodness. I, yeah, everything was on the table. Um, but it finally clicked once I started doing my rotations in medical school. I actually entered medical school wanting to be a dermatologist at that phase. Um, but I kind of fell asleep on that rotation. So <laughs> yeah, that was problematic. So once I um, did psychiatry, and I remember the day we were sitting in one of the um, attendings' offices, and he was seeing you know patients, and he offered us a cup of tea, and it was just you know super relaxed and was you know making a big difference in this person's life and I was like wow this is what I want to do I want to interact with people I'm still able to have the science piece the medical piece but it was just very much you know kind of more laid back and just really fitting to my personality um, and I had a really great mentor um, Dr. June Christmas um, and she's a black female psychiatrist who graduated from Harvard like back in the 50s and 60s so basically like a huge trendsetter um, and a pioneer um, in mental health. And throughout medical school, she you know, spoke to me and really helped guide me to the path of psychiatry and why you know, we needed more black psychiatrists. And I saw that this is something that I wanted to rise to the occasion for. I love, I love when people tell stories of sort of like, you know, it was all along science, but sort of going through the different arenas that you could, and then you sort of come to it and you're like, ah, this is like what I'm meant to be doing. It's like a like a watershed moment. Exactly. And, and when I think back to medical school, I, you know, when I was on OB-GYN, for example, it was very stressful for me, like delivering babies. But the mm -hmm. part of that rotation that I loved is um, I remember one woman, she had miscarried and my resident sent me in to speak with her um, in triage and just, you know, having that moment to talk to her about her loss, um, being like that first person that she saw after experiencing this, 
I realized, okay, this will carry over into the specialty that I want to do. And every specialty, you know, in every space, you need someone who's able to talk to people, who's able to empathize, who's able to spend that extra moment. And psychiatry was that for me. I love that. Well, then, you know, now I know that you have Amtar Wellness. And I'm wondering if you could share sort of the origin story there and, and what the goal of your work is. So the origin story, unfortunately, is another um, coronavirus pandemic um, situation. So my current job right now is I see incarcerated individuals via telepsychiatry, so over a video. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very rewarding job. I'm really glad about you know what I do. I'm proud of what I do. But it can be very emotionally and mentally taxing, as you can imagine, speaking to individuals. Right. Some people, they're like, my out date is 2081. So how do I I keep you on track? How do I help you get through, you know, these next possibly 40 to 60 years of your life? And, And unfortunately, despite being a very reflective and introspective person, it can still, you know, lead to burnout eventually. So my husband, um, you know, thank God for him, he was noticing, you know, the shift in my personality. And he's like, what can make you happy outside of your day-to-day work? And I was like, I like to write. I like to do event planning. Um, I like to create things. So he was like, well, just do it. So the initial plan um, was to actually have day summits, wellness day summits for professional black women in the Miami area. However, you know, the idea developed in late 2019 and then we got hit with the pandemic. So I wasn't able to actually put on, you know, the day summits due to COVID-19. So I decided to pivot and just start developing, um, I guess, my personal brand and give myself some credibility in the space. So, excuse me, I started writing a lot of blog articles about what was happening, especially throughout the Black Lives Matter protests in the summer, um, and as well as different topics that I've always wanted to discuss and talk about as a professional Black woman myself. Um, And that is how, you know, it kind of developed as a blog at this stage. I still hope to have the day summits um, in person, but I'm just waiting until more individuals are vaccinated and people feel more comfortable engaging and meeting with strangers in a space. So, Absolutely. Well, let yeah. me know if I can ever fly in for a day summit. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. I would love to. I'm working with some like local area psychologists um, to develop the programming for hopefully the day summits that we'll have by next year. Um, and why I'm really passionate about having the day summits and hopefully one day actual retreats there are so many individuals who are self-proclaimed wellness experts, and I'm not knocking anyone's, you know, whatever they present themselves as, but I do believe that Black women deserve um, medically vetted and, you know, um, research-based modalities to help with their wellness. So mm-hmm. it's very easy for to Google something, say, what is wellness, or cookie cutter, this is wellness. But that's why I wanted to develop the programming with psychologists and individuals who know specific types of therapy and group therapy and individuals who would be able to identify, okay, this person is not just here for a day summit. She might need to be admitted. She might need to be referred out to see a specialist. So I really want to be able to provide high quality and a high level of service to Black women because we deserve it. 
Absolutely. And I appreciate that because, you know, what I see a lot these days, and again, like you said, not to knock people is, you know, someone has, I don't know, like if, if we speak about weight, they have this weight loss journey and it's like, wow, all of this stuff works mm -hmm. for your body, but that does not necessarily mean you are now able to train me and exactly. my body because exactly. we are vastly different. Exactly. And yeah, and that's the space that I want to kind of occupy just presenting, you know, different theories and facts and of course still fun and still you know very soul edifying but just through you know research-based <laughs> theories and modalities yeah mm -hmm. and you said you know you said thank god for your husband and yes thank god for him because i found you through your blogs and your writing wow. um, so so tell him i also said thank you for for making you start that um, <laughs> but so i know I know that your writing is sort of, you know, and your work as well is aimed at improving quality of life for black women in the diaspora. And uh, this is, you know, maybe a crazy question, but I wonder what are the things that you think we as black women sort of need to survive this world and better yet than survive, thrive in, in the reality of like the systems that we are currently living in and the like barrage of news that we see every day. What I would say, and this is something that I believe across the board for everyone, but you know, I'll target it towards black women, honesty. Um, I believe being honest and being forthright is the only way that you can actually start the healing process. Um, so you're speaking about the systems that we exist in. So I would say start with being honest about the white supremacist patriarchal society that we live in and being transparent and understanding that it's not gonna disappear in our lifetime, unfortunately. Um, yeah. This is centuries old, you know, you, we can fight on, you know, we can fight the battles, but the overall war is something that was started way before we were born and it's gonna continue, unfortunately, after we pass away because so many people around the world benefit from the structures that we live in. So just being honest about that, because I have some friends who are like, yeah, and once Biden wins, everything will change. And I'm like, no, no, no it's not going to change, but it's OK. <laughs> um, being honest about your personal relationships. So, you know, whether it be your spouse, your family members, your colleagues, your friends, and really look at who is nurturing you and who is not, who is taking away from your joy, who is not celebrating for you on the sidelines, who is not, you know, just an overall positive force in your life. And that's really painful to do, especially sometimes with family members. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something that I would recommend. And then the last piece is hopefully if you have the resources, working with the therapist to address honesty about yourself. So what are your shortcomings? When are you being unkind to others? When are you being unfair? Something that I've learned as I've gotten older is that people know when they're being mean. So having the strength to say, hey, I was a bitch last week, or hey, I was not nice to that person you know, on the subway two months ago. And really looking honestly at yourself and trying to be a better, kinder, more just and humane person in the society we live in. And I think through those steps, like looking at the external, looking at your relationships and looking at yourself, I think that's how black women can survive and more so thrive with that as the foundation. 100%. And, and you mentioned, you know, um, 
people who are taking joy from you, which and, and how it's difficult. And I mean, I, I'm a person who like loves boundaries. So I'm like, if we need to put up a boundary, we will put up a boundary, y'all. Um, but I also wonder how how do we find joy in these times or, or what do you do to find joy in these times? I am like, I'm an overthinker. I'm a planner. So mm-hmm. my joy comes from being in the moment and like forcing myself to be in the moment. That doesn't sound very pleasant, but um, <laughs> forcing myself. So I can give an example like yesterday, two days ago, I was at bar class. And I was doing like one and two and one and two. And in between that, I was thinking, what is for dinner? What do I yes. have to do when I home? And I checked myself and I let myself start listening to the instructor. And then when we did the relaxation piece at the end, I really tuned into the deep breaths and you know all the movements and really feeling the sensations of my body. So as an individual who overthinks and analyzes everything, I would say that is how you find your joy in the moment. And if even if you have to force yourself, you know, at gunpoint, unfortunately, to be in the moment, that's what you have to do over and over again throughout the day. If you're, um, you know, catastrophizing and you know feeling everything is going bad, like taking that moment to breathe and just be there and be present in your life. And I think that's how you find the joy on the other side. I feel like you're speaking directly to the things that I do, and like I'm wondering if you have spies or something. <laughs> I think that's a problem in general for most young black women, especially like in our demographic as millennials. Um, We want to be so great. We want to do everything. We want to be something to everyone. Um, We want to, you know, honor our ancestors and create legacy and all these things, you know, all the little blurbs that you see on Instagram and where you want to challenge the mold, but doing all of those things and having all those expectations externally, and then once again, putting them on ourselves really thwarts us from being, you know, unfortunately happy. Um, black bear so much burden in this society to be the moral compass, especially in the United States. And sometimes you just have to check out. Sometimes you just have to stay on the couch for a day on a Saturday and not, you know, clean the house and go and visit your parents and start a new venture, business venture, and I don't know, build a house for a habitat for humanity. Some days you just have to, you know, take a step back and relax. And that is how you find your joy that day. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you mentioned at the beginning how you work with incarcerated people. And so I'm, I'm imagining that is already very tough, and I'm sure that you have other clients dealing with their own things that are tough. And so then how do you then, you know, what sustains you in difficult moments after you've had a a day of of treating someone? What sort of keeps you going? I would say in many ways it sounds sappy. My relationship helps me a lot. Um, My husband is very, like, psychologically minded. So I know most days of the week, if I've had a rough day, I can sit down and talk to him. Um, I can express how I feel honestly. The way that we talk to each other even like freaks my mom out sometimes because she's, you know, like a old school Caribbean mom. So she's like, oh, you told him that's how you feel? Like she's literally sat in front of us. and like, that's the conversation you're having right now? And I'm like, yes, mom. And I think that honesty in our relationship and knowing that for the most part, I can tell him how I feel, that helps me a lot, especially with you know a job that's as emotionally taxing as being a psychiatrist. 
for the incarcerated. That's really nice to hear because I I did a podcast a few weeks ago and, you know, they asked me sort of, you know, what I do to sort of stay well and, and stay grounded and whatnot. And I was like, you know, I, I always see people going on and talking about these like going inward and all the things they do. And I was like, honestly, I think in like the darkest moments, you need those people who actually know who you are to remind you who you are because you sort of like lost it. I agree. I agree. And like... This is probably a TMI, but before my marriage or before this relationship, I never cried. Um, I never cried. And I, then, hate, I hate crying. I mean, I, as, I, do I, I, as do I. And then I found comfort and vulnerability in our relationship where I could start crying. So it's once again, like at, on our wedding day, I was like bawling and my friends were like, <laughs> what's going on who is this woman yes and they were like we expected tina to cry but you i was like this is me now but it's really good because (laughs) (laughs) it's a really good way to cleanse a lot of things that i was holding on to feeling so i think it's good to learn i don't like crying but it's one of the greatest things that have come from my relationship in the past five years to have that reset and just to feel your feelings as corny as that sounds. No, not corny at all. Well, you know, so we're, we're speaking about your relationship. And I said that I found you through your, your writing. And the pieces that I was reading were about um, your interracial relationship. And I am mm-hmm. also in one. And so I think it was, it was not necessarily during the Black Lives Matter, like height of the movement in June, but sort of mm-hmm. near the end of the year around the election where I just was sort of like, I, I don't know, I need... I need someone to sort of, you know, who's who's doing the same thing to sort of tell me that, yes, this makes sense. And and it's mm-hmm. not necessarily that I was doubting myself or my relationship, but it's just nice to, like, think that there is someone who has the same experiences as you. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a, a moment where, you know, you, you read things where people are saying, if you're dating outside your race, this, that, and the other. And so... I don't think I've actually had a, a true moment where I've been like, well, I don't think this is true. But I do mm-hmm. wonder if if you've ever had a moment where you wonder, like, can I truly be an advocate for our community while mm-hmm. being in a romantic relationship with someone who is white? Um, yes, I definitely have. And that's I wrote about it twice on my blog. Um, and it's something that I think is important to, even if you don't feel it, to just assess it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to take a step back and you know, look at myself and say, okay, what are my motivations for being in this relationship? Am I with this individual because he is a white man or am I with this individual because you know he's my soulmate and I love him? And I think that's the question that most individuals, male or female, need to assess. Am I you know, with this person because they're amazing and there's no one else like them in the world for me? Or am I trying to be, um, increase my proximity to whiteness? Am I trying to have children of a lighter complexion? Am I buying into stereotypes about my own self? And is this a reflection of self-loathing for my community? And I think those very uncomfortable questions um, are what every person of color, regardless of if you're black or white, um, black or Asian or Latin American, I think that's what's important because Unfortunately, based on the society that we have all been raised in, whiteness is still at the apex of what is good 
and what is respected. So you're not unable to completely, you know, separate yourself from what you see in the media and what, you know, folk stories and different things people have been told growing up. But in your day-to-day actions, you have to look at yourself and say, am I seeking status from whiteness? Am I trying to dilute my blackness? Or am I in this relationship solely for the purpose of who this person is underneath their skin, who this person is when lights are out? Um, And that's what I've always asked myself. And I feel like, for example, my mom is like, super, you know, like black power. Um, If you read one of my essays, my mom actually felt guilty that I married a white man. She asked me, you know, did I do something wrong? Did I expose you to too many, (laughs) too many 1940s and 50s movies with Cary Grant and Gregory Peck? (laughs) Like, this is my fault. I created this dashing dark haired white man as the ideal of love and man and masculinity. Um, So you have to look at all these different, I would say, cues from society, but at the end of the day, the most important thing to know is, as I stated earlier, is this the person that you can cry to? Is this the person who has your best interests at heart? Is this the person who sees you as a whole person? And you can do all this, you know, analysis and all of it. Some, Some of it might come back as, you know, you do have the aspirations to be close to whiteness, but what does this person do for you on an emotional and personal level? And then for that, you can say the world be damned. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, you, you spoke about how you and your husband discuss everything and it's very open and your mother was even shocked. And I mean, I think it's the same with my partner and I, and mm-hmm. um, I mean, you know, like if I have like my mom and my aunts over and like something has happened in the news, I'll be like, oh, you know, someone will be like, the white people have done it again. And, you know, he'll be there. And he, you, he, I mean, what are you going to do? You just go with it. Like, it's the truth. Somebody did something. It's um, the truth. Yeah. And it, I think it's because we have engaged in, like, so many honest conversations that, like, it, you know, it just all comes out and it's fine. But mm-hmm. I wonder, how do you advise people to sort of engage in tough conversations about race, whether it's, it's with their partner or, or their friends um, in general? And um, I think it's great that you said with partners or friends. So these are individuals that you care about and individuals who, you know, hopefully have your best interests at heart. So Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, engage with them. But once again, not to sound like a repeating record, coming from a place of honesty. So do they want to discuss race to kind of let themselves off the hook, to give examples like, well, the Irish were slaves too, you know, things like that. Or do Mm -hmm. they... I hate that argument. Or do they really want to have an honest discourse about, you know, 400, 500, 600 years of white supremacy from, you know, the Romans and going up to, you know, the early European imperialists and continuing on into America? Do you want to have these real, honest, historically based conversations or do you just want to talk about the here and now? Um, so with those individuals, you know, give them space to express themselves if their goal is not to injure you. But with strangers, I would say just disconnect. Um, when I was younger and by younger, I mean like literally six years ago, I felt the need to educate all of my white colleagues about race. I wanted to tell them about, you know, Hey, there's diversity of socioeconomic class in the black community. Hey, I went to Spelman. And I know black millionaires and not all black people are indigent. And that felt like, you know, my 
what's that thing? My cross to bear to like explain it to my white yeah. colleagues. I even taught the lecture on African Americans and mental health during residency because oh, they geez. forgot to put it on the syllabus. <laughs> they literally they forgot? forgot. They forgot in the cross cultural psychiatry, and this is in Miami, Florida, at the public hospital. They forgot to do a lecture on African Americans and mental health. And we were like, hey, this is missing from the syllabus, myself and two other black female residents. And they're like, hey, Aminata, why don't you teach it? So now that I've graduated, I don't even know if, you know, the students are still even getting that lecture. Anyway, so I, I no longer have the emotional capacity or bandwidth to educate people who don't want to be educated. So I would say for persons of color, respect yourself and just look at individuals who are intentional and really want to learn. And those who want to hold on to their racist ideologies and beliefs, just let them continue on to do that because you can't change that in a conversation. Thank you for saying the the disengaged part because you know I, I speak to people about Ubuntu and I think sometimes people think it's like, oh, this like flowery, frilly thing. And it, it's about honesty and tough conversations. And I'm like, yeah, but like if we're coming to have a tough conversation, we at least need to start like a base level of respect. And so if you were wearing a Make America Great Again hat, your respect for me is like below the ground. So I don't think we need to engage in this conversation. Right, and that's interesting that you say that because if someone's wearing a Make America Great Again, what time, if we're speaking from a socio-historical perspective, when was America great? Do you mean when my people were in chattel slavery? Do you mean when there was Jim Crow? Do you mean before the Voting Rights Act? When in a you know a timeline, when was America great? And do you mean that you're trying to harken back to times where I was not a person? And you can't move from there. There's no conversation to be had. 100%. Well, I would love to know who are the women who have inspired you? There's so many. Um, my great grandmother, I was blessed to know her. Um, both of my grandmothers, paternal and maternal. Um, but I would say, honestly, on a day-to-day -day basis, I would say my mother, as cliche as that sounds. Um, my mom is tough, um, but very sweet at the same time. Um, and she's inspired me, not just in being my mom, but in the way that she lives her life. So I remember when I was like 17 or 18, my mom had this job that was kind of toxic. The environment was horrible and she just quit. And she, you know, I was set and, you know, stable in college. I had a full scholarship, everything was fine. And she just moved back to Barbados and she started, she got a teaching job there. She taught herself how to do ballroom dancing. She started swimming in the ocean, like oh. with a swimming club. She took cooking classes and sewing classes. And this is like in her forties. And that's so inspirational to me as a woman because I learned from my mom that I don't have to settle for anything. I don't have to settle for a bad situation. I don't have to settle for a job that does not, you know, treat me well. I don't have to settle for a relationship where that I don't feel loved and respected. So from my mom, I've learned that I can leave a situation and then I will thrive once again. And I think that's the most inspirational thing, especially as a black woman in America, a black woman in the world, where we're told that we have to settle, we have to stay in situations, we have to endure pain. And from my mom, I learned I don't have to do that. If, if I was a person that cried, I would cry right now because 
like your mom sounds, she sounds very much like my mom. And these oh, are like yeah. the same things I learned from my mom. I mean, my mom decided to go to divinity school and become a priest in her fifties. So yeah. Yeah. Just so things like that. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. That's really awesome. And the, and the leaving toxic environments is something that she does very well. And I, I now do very well as, as well. <laughs> and then I wonder if you have a piece of advice you'd like to share with young black women. It kind of like relates to what we just talked about with our moms. Um, mm-hmm. Don't hurdle. So everything is not going to be exactly the way you want it in life. And there are good compromises, but don't settle. Don't settle for a situation. Don't settle for a partner. Um, like, oh, you know, I'm 35. I guess I got to be married you know, now. So let me just go with this guy. Like, don't, that's actually one of the worst settles to do because that, who your partner is really affects your quality of life. Um, mm-hmm. Don't settle to live in a certain city. Like, oh gosh, you know, the sun only shines two months a year, but I have to stay here. So if, if weather is something that's important to you. So being honest with yourself, everything is not always gonna be perfect. Everything's not always gonna be ideal, but don't settle for the bare minimum. That's what I would tell young black women. Yes, please. And what is your greatest fear for humanity? Not to go off like on a tangent um, from what we've done. Oh, no, go off. <laughs> um, I'm really worried about climate change. I'm really concerned that the pursuit of money and power by the powers that be will completely make the world not habitable for the majority of us. So that is my greatest fear for humanity, that the world, you know, our water, our air um, will be damaged. I mean, our food sources already have so many chemicals and them, will be damaged beyond repair and we won't be able to live here anymore. And our children, our grandchildren won't literally have a home. That's my yeah. greatest fear for humanity. And the, the most vulnerable communities are already being affected like horrendously. Exactly. Um, you know, my dad is from Senegal and my country is one of those countries that has been gravely affected by climate change. Um, within my lifetime, I can recall seeing, you know, a river that is now a riverbed that is completely now just desert. And no. the rapid, yeah, 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 the rapid um, progression of the desert in Senegal um, is terrifying. And seeing what it does not just to the land and the crops, but people being forced away from being farmers and then crushed into the capital city. So just the the socioeconomic effects, as well as the changes in family dynamics and societal structure in general. Climate change, I've seen it firsthand, and it's, it's really disconcerting. So then what would you say is your greatest hope for humanity? I think the generation behind me, or behind us, is really, really dynamic. And they are not about towing the line at all. I think millennials, we're still kind of buying into the okey-doke and <laughs> kind of like our parents a little bit. Like, we're not really rebels. But no. I think Generation Z, they're like proactive. They're like, we want gun reform. We want climate change. We're not going to inherit the world the way that you all are leaving it. And I think they're the greatest hope. Millennials, we, we've sold out. We're sellouts. But, <laughs> Gen, but Gen Z seems to be on point, And I think they're the greatest hope. Thank God for them. Yeah. Yeah, they're not playing. 
Well, Aminata, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Honestly, I like, we could just like talk offhand, like I could keep going, but thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great conversation. I hope you enjoyed this conversation today and don't forget to hit subscribe and give the show a rating and review wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Follow me at mungi.ingomane on Instagram. I'd love to hear from you and get your feedback on the show. I'll be back in a week with a new episode. Thank you for listening to Everyday Ubuntu.